Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. This evening's Bible reading is taken from John 17, verses 1 to 19. Jesus prays for himself. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus prays for his disciples. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Great. Thanks, Charmaine. Um, welcome to those who, there's a few people I noticed just before the service who uh, I haven't met before, who might be newer with us. Uh, my name's John. It's great to meet you. I'm one of the uh, ministers here. Um, and just wanted to take the chance as well, because we've been away for a bit and we're properly back now, to say a huge thank you to all of you. Our son Nathan was born, as you know, at just the end of December, but then had an emergency operation. Um, and just, he's doing really well at home, recovering really well. Uh, we're loving these early days with him and just wanted to say a huge thank you to each of you for your, uh, your prayers, your love, uh, and your practical concern and care for us. Well, as uh, Natasha was mentioning, it's our year of prayer. And so we are thinking at various different points through this year, uh, stopping and looking at particular prayers, uh, either prayers that we might pray and how we might grow in that, or in the case of this, this evening and next week, uh, a prayer of Jesus and what that teaches us about his priorities for prayer uh, for our lives. Now, that's not because we don't want to pray lots in the other years, just to clarify. Uh, it's just that it's good to have a focus for each year, and that's what we try to do here. Uh, and so all of the activities uh, in church, we're trying to think, how do we, how do we grow in prayer together? Uh, so do commend, though, uh, the, the preaching. Uh, the last uh, month, we had preaching from the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I wasn't involved in any of those, so I can say that they were great. Come along. Uh, and listen, listen back to them, uh, and those ancient prayer practices that, that David was mentioning in his prayers uh, will be a great way of engaging as well. But we're going to look at this prayer that Jesus uh, prayed for his disciples this evening, and uh, it's a deeply, they're deeply precious words. Jesus speaks these words. The context is that he's talking to his disciples the night before uh, he, he goes to his death, uh, they're celebrating the Passover meal, the Jewish Passover, and he's just been telling the disciples, look, I'm going away from you. I'm going back to the Father uh, via his death, um, but that he would send the Spirit to be with them forever. Now, they are, they're, they're just sort of in the midst of reeling from this news that he's going to be uh, leaving them, there, and they're kind of hanging on his every word in this moment. And so Jesus speaks these words of prayer in their hearing uh, for their comfort. And it's my prayer that we'll, we'll be comforted in the same way that they were uh, this evening. To kick us off, we're going to uh, discuss this in a moment. Uh, I'd love to have this, this quote, Ben, thanks so much, up on the screen. Uh, this is from a Scottish minister, a 19th century Scottish minister. And he wrote this. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Christ is praying for us. That's really what we're thinking about this evening. And just before we dig further uh, into that, uh, we're going to keep those words on the screen. And as we often do, we're going to sort of take a moment to stretch our legs at this point in the service, uh, greet those near us. Um, there are refreshments over there Paul and Elaine have kindly got for us. Uh, grab some of those uh, if you'd like. And there's no pressure to do this at all. Uh, just, you can just chat to those near. But if you'd like to engage with this question, um, uh, we'll have that on the screen. Brilliant. Uh, how does the thought that Jesus is praying for you right now make you feel. So let's just have a few minutes uh, to do that. Brilliant. Well, let's, uh, let's draw that in. Um, hopefully an encouragement uh, to start to talk about that question. That's what we're, we're really going to think about for the rest of our time uh, this evening, how Jesus prays for us. Now, it, in some senses, it seems, uh, it seems a little bit too good to be true. Uh, don't you think? This idea that Jesus even now is praying for, for me and for you. And uh, it might be, uh, you know, just as I was preparing this week, I thought, you know, it might be that some of us think, well, 
I've not really heard that before. I need a bit of convincing that Jesus is really doing that. Um, how can I be sure that he's praying for me? If you can have the passage in front of you, uh, it will come, the diff- different bits will come on the screen, but even better if you can have it, uh, then you can see what I'm saying comes from the lips of the Lord Jesus. We didn't read this first, but uh, just look with me at verse 20. Jesus is uh, praying in the presence of his disciples, and he says, My prayer is not for them alone, that is the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So Jesus explicitly says this prayer in John 17, all that he prays in it for his first disciples is also a prayer he's praying for all believers. All who would, he says, come to believe in me through their message, through the message of the apostles. And really that means each one of us because ever since that message of the apostles and people have believed and the message has spread and it's gone down the centuries and it's got to us in South Croydon today. And so Jesus is praying for us in this moment in the upper room. He was praying for us. And actually more than that, that is still how Jesus is interacting with us. That is still an expression of his heart of love for us. Here's a verse in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7. At verse 25, it says, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. I'd love us to hear the encouragement of that this evening. Right now, at the Father's right hand, Jesus, our Lord Jesus, is praying for us. And to see the full ex- encouragement of that, we, we've got to sort of step back and ask this question, why do I need Jesus to pray for me? Why do we need Jesus to pray for us? Again, look with me, and we're going to focus particularly on these words, verse 13 to 19. Jesus prayed, I'm coming to you now, that is to the Father, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified." Now, here is why Jesus prays that prayer in the presence of his disciples, so that we would know that it's a prayer he's praying for us because of what he says in verses 14 and 16. Verse 14, I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And then again, in case we missed it, he says, verse 16, they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. So Jesus' first disciples needed him to pray this for them. We need him to pray it for us because he says we are in the world, but not of the world. Now, it's helpful to know here, the world in John's gospel, when you read through John's gospel, the world basically means um, uh, everything that's created that is in opposition to God, rebelling against God, particularly human beings, which is our default setting, each one of us by nature and by choice, before we come to Christ in rebellion against God. And at the beginning of John's gospel, famous words, Jesus says this, this continued. 
We're told Jesus, this continued when Jesus came into the world. He himself was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And then later in John chapter 7, Jesus uh, is talking to his disciples, and he's saying that his confrontation that he's having with the world, as it were, his claims of authority on the world coming up against the world's reaction, and this is what happens. He says, it, that is the world, hates me, says Jesus, because I testify that its works are evil. And then just earlier in this conversation in the upper room with the disciples, uh, he tells them that what is true of him will be true of them as well, of genuine followers of his. John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Now, all of that helps to explain why Jesus needed to pray this for his disciples and for us. It's because the world is, as John describes it, a dangerous place to be. Those who have not accepted Jesus, who are are rebelling against him, are often offended, uh, or at the very least a bit put out, by Christians trying to live in a distinctive way, and particularly by encouragements of Christians to them, that they too need to repent and believe in Jesus to receive the life he offers. Some express that kind of opposition simply by a kind of, that's nice for you, it's not for me. Others, uh, much more actively. And, you know, in many ways, we don't face it in quite the same way in this nation, but in many parts of the world, that opposition is expressed in social exclusion, uh, in violence, even in murder for following Christ. And so we can see the truth of of Jesus' words. Verse 14, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. You see, Jesus is saying to you and to me, although I'm still in the world, I'm not meant to be of the world. And when I don't live as as if I'm of the world, the world will oppose me. And as verse 15 will show, so will the devil. He wants to undermine my faith. Now, this is worth us, worth us thinking through. Why is it that when Jesus brings someone to faith, he doesn't just immediately whisk them off into heaven? J- Jesus could choose to do that. He's powerful enough. He made the universe. He could do that. But typically, that's not what he does, is it? Instead, he, he does what he did with his first disciples. He, he sets us apart to live distinctively for him, to witness to him in the world. And that is why we needed Jesus to pray, why we need Jesus to pray for us, because we remain in the world until he returns, and so we need his help to live for him. And so that brings us to exactly what he prays for us in these verses. What does Jesus pray for us? What does he pray for me, for you? First, and we're going to spend most of the rest of our time here, he prays, as David was praying, for our protection, for our protection. Verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. I mentioned the morning sermons uh, at the beginning of this year, back on the 4th of Feb uh, in the morning sermon, John uh, talked about uh, the phrase, deliver us from evil in the Lord's prayer. 
And he helped us to see that Christians uh, down the ages have often found uh, it helpful to describe the kind of uh, threats that come at us in our spiritual lives in three directions. So there's threats uh, from the world, what we're seeing uh, from John's gospel, that all that's opposed uh, to God in rebellion against God, uh, from the flesh, that is from our own sinful desires, and from the devil, as verse 15 has it, the evil one. And John, uh, 1 John verse, uh, chapter 5 says that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So what that means is that the, the devil, the evil one, is, as it were, leading the charge, leading out the charge of rebellion against God. And all who are rebelling against Jesus are, knowingly or not, kind of part of that charge that he's leading out. And the prime targets for the attacks of the evil one in the world are God's people. And so Jesus needs to pray this prayer for us. It's a prayer which, in the context, when we get that he's praying for us in the midst of the world with an enemy, Satan, it's a prayer of incalculable worth for us as a believer. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So Jesus, he doesn't snatch us out of the world. Instead, he prays that as we live in the world, we would be protected from the attacks of the evil one. Now, just so we, we kind of can see how this cashes out for us, I wonder if, as I have, you, you can kind of look back. If you've been a Christian for a while, you can look back on a part of your life, a period of your life, where you, you frankly, you just can't understand how you're still a Christian. So I look back at all the temptations, all the failings, all my sin, all the trials, all the losses, the griefs, the heartache, all the idols I've run after and kind of run, fallen flat running after them, all the ways that Satan has kind of battered me and whispered in my ear, you're a failure, you're a failure. Whatever it is, I look back and I think, how am I still a Christian? And maybe you ask yourself that question sometimes, how are you still a Christian? How am I still a Christian? And the answer that, that this, this verse kind of gets at uh, in some ways is that in those moments, it's, it's not that I'm still a Christian because I held on to Jesus. It's not that I'm still a Christian because I, was kind of, I had particularly strong faith or I overcame the challenges. It's, if, if you're still a Christian, that's not why it is. The strength comes through Christ. It's Christ who's held on to you. And to me, we're going to sing these words uh, later, and I think they capture in a lovely way uh, what's going on here. We're going to sing, when I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. We could never keep hold of Christ, of our faith on our own. And so the Lord Jesus, God the Son, he must hold us fast. And he does exactly that. And one primary way that he does that is through praying for us. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And he's continuing right now to pray that for you and for me, if we're in Christ, from the Father's right hand. Maybe just... For some of us this evening, you are here and you feel like you are barely clinging on. 
barely clinging on in your spiritual life, but it's sort of hanging by a thread. This is deeply comforting for us. It doesn't depend on you, ultimately. It depends on Christ holding on to you, not you holding on to him. Uh, This made me think about that scene. Forgive an old movie, but I guess a lot of us will have seen it from the Titanic. Uh, So Rose and Jack, they've fallen mad in love uh, during the Titanic's maiden voyage. They... Uh, the, the ship is sinking, and they're, they're floating on the water. Uh, she's, she's on top of some debris. He's grabbing on, and she's holding his hand. And just as it looks like there might be a rescue for them as a boat kind of appears on the horizon calling out for survivors, he begins to, he begins to slip down. And she, she, she's desperate to grab hold of him, and she's saying, she's just trying to keep hold of him. And in the end, as the rescue boat gets closer to him, she, she can't hold on any longer, and she has to let him slide out of her grip and disappear into the water. But not before she's uttered the words, I'll never let go, I promise. Now, frankly, I... Um, before I kind of got that when I was a kid, I thought it was a bit of morbid irony that she says those words as she has to let him go physically. But we get it, I think, when we go on, don't we? She's not making a promise in that sense. She's saying, look, as I go on, I'm not going to let go of you in my heart. I'll never let go, I promise. Now, in a much more profound and perfect way, that is not a bad way of summarizing the assurance of verse 15. It's Jesus' promise that he will never stop praying for us, for you and for me, at the Father's right hand until we arrive in his heavenly kingdom. I'll never let go, I promise, says Jesus to you and to me. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. He's praying for you right now, right this moment. I mean, just, just try and picture it if you can. Right now, in heaven, Jesus, God's own son, continuing that ministry of praying for you, speaking to the Father, asking him to keep his people, including you, if that's you this evening, safe until that day when he returns and you meet him face to face. That is where Jesus is right now at the right hand of God the Father, praying for our protection, not praying that we would be taken out of the world until it's the right time, but praying that in the world we would be protected. Protected from the evil one, protected from his destructive influences in the world, protected from his lies. Well, that's done a lot for me this week, and it's my prayer, Will, for you. Why not give thanks to... to him in your heart just right now that he's praying for you that it's not about you clinging on to him but about him clinging on to you now if that's true if jesus holds us fast which he does if he prays for us which he does and that protects us which it does if making it all the way through life into eternity it ultimately depends on his protection and not on our our own kind of clinging on to faith, 
that begs the question, does it mean that we can kind of think, well, I will kick back and wait for him to return? I mean, if he's going to do it all for us anyway, I mean, if he's going to pray for us to keep firm in the faith, we can kind of let go and let God. But the thing is, a crucial part of the way that Jesus' prayer is answered in our lives is that his prayers cause us to uh, to get involved in in the next thing that he prays for. We're just going to look at this much more briefly, but we've got to see the two sides of this. So Jesus is praying for us, protecting us. And one aspect of that prayer is that he expects us to be involved in growing in holiness. And that is what he's praying for us in the final verses of this passage. So he's prayed for our protection. And one way that he does that, one way that we keep going until he comes back, is through growing more and more like him until he returns. So he prays for our holiness. Verse 17, Jesus says, praying to the Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So Jesus is not just praying for our protection in the world so we can just sort of hang on until he comes back. It's more than that. It's so that we can be actively involved in being, as he says, sanctified. That word simply means to be set apart for our witness in the world, to be made holy. It's got this sense of giving ourselves wholly to God, every part of our life becoming more and more devoted to him. That's what it means to be sanctified each day, to become more like Jesus as we say, Jesus, I want to be yours. I want for your will in my life. And Jesus is praying that because as we live that way, it will, it will be a, a witness. It will bear witness to those around us. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And so Jesus is saying, look, I, you're in the world. I'm praying for you in the world. I'm not taking you out of it. But I'm also going to pray that you, you're distinctive in how you live in the world. And therefore that you bear witness to me. And that just, as we come to a close, that just probably just raises a question for us. And, and it was raised as well by those verses that talked about how the world hates those who are followers of Jesus. If, if that kind of feels just totally far away from our experience, I'm not saying the kind of persecution out, that, that some experience violent persecution. I know that's not particularly a reality in our country. But if, if you never have any kind of sense of kind of disconnect between how you're living and how the world around you lives, then it's worth asking this question, which is, am I being more influenced by the word, Jesus says, it's the word that sanctifies us, his words spoken by him and then recorded for us in the scriptures in the Bible. Are we being more changed and shaped by his words or by the world? Is there more of the word in you, his word, or more of the world in you? That's just worth us thinking about. Am I letting myself be shaped by, molded by, God's word. That is pretty difficult to do if we don't take in God's word in any way. That is, why we're, that is why we're doing what we're doing now. That's why week by week we open the Bible together. But it's pretty hard to do that through the week if we don't uh, feed ourselves in some way. Can I commend the Lent devotional? That's just a really easy way to get into the practice of spending just a bit of time with the Lord each day, looking at a portion of his word and praying it into our lives 
And as we do that, we'll find ourselves more and more shaped by his word, more and more wanting to live his ways. But we've got to, we've got to take it into our lives. Are you being more shaped by, by his words or by the world? Sanctify them by the truth, Jesus prayed. Your word is truth. We're going to have time uh, in just a few moments to pray some of these things in uh, together. And maybe uh, however you engage in that time of prayer, this would be something to pray for ourselves as we go from here, uh, that we would, we would seek after our growth in holiness. And particularly, I want us to take uh, the, the assurance, the comfort this evening from knowing that Jesus is praying for us. It's him who's holding us fast. Yes, he uses us. Yes, he expects us to, to, to play our part in growing to be more like him. But ultimately, it's him who's holding on to us. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Father in heaven, we just praise you for the reality of your son. Right now at your right hand, praying for us. Extraordinary love extraordinary heart of your son. To care for us that much. To always live to make intercession for us. We thank you for when we look back on times in our life and just wonder how are we still here? How are we still yours? How are we still Christians? And we recognize it's not us, it's you. Pray that would be a particular comfort and encouragement to anyone here this evening who is feeling like they're just barely scraping by in faith, that they're kind of worried, will, will they just give in the towel? Father, thank you so much that, that ultimately it does not depend on, on them, on each one of us. It depends on you, and that it's you who holds us fast. If anything from that has come, has uh, uh, been something that's landed with you or that you want to think and, and talk or pray about more, do, do come for prayer ministry uh, later. So, Father, we just praise you for this reality. Pray that it would be a comfort and encouragement uh, with us uh, on into the rest of this week and indeed beyond that as well. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.